Welcome to the Westside Personalized Podcast, where real educators share their classroom-tested, learner-approved personalization practices. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion and are able to find a few valuable takeaways from the podcast. And so without further ado, let's go to the pod. Well, the Westside Personalized Podcast is back this week, and I'm so excited to welcome Andy McNair to the podcast. Looking forward to an opportunity to really uh, bring in a conversation about Genius Hour and personalized learning and where those two worlds kind of meet and, and also to get an opportunity to really showcase some of the things that she's going to have uh, a chance to share at the Westside Personalized Summit. And so we'll hear a little bit about some of the sessions that she's going to be presenting during that time and just really kind of talk shop here for a little bit. So I guess I want to start off by saying, Andy, welcome. I uh, appreciate you getting a chance to visit with us today. Yeah, I'm super excited to be here. I'm excited about being at the conference and this is going to be a really cool way, I think, to kind of give a little introduction to what's going to happen. Yeah, and I know there, there are going to be educators out there that are familiar with your work and are like, oh my gosh, I'm going to the conference because I want to hear Andy Vanier speak. And there'll be some people that, that also, you know, um, will get an opportunity to learn a little bit more about you through all this. And so for the latter there, can you give kind of just some background uh, in terms of just your passions in education and some of the things you've uh, been invested in recently that, yeah, you have a chance to share? Yeah, so I always start by saying I believe in this generation with everything in me. I think that the kids that sit in today's classrooms have real opportunities to make an impact and create change. And so that kind of all started for me when I was in the classroom. So I was an elementary teacher. I taught fourth and fifth grade math and science for several years, probably 13 years in the general education classroom and then spent my last three or four years in the um, gifted and talented classroom. And really kind of learn there how to personalize learning and what that could look like. And so then I've gone on to, now I'm a digital innovation specialist at Region 12 here in Texas. We have service centers. We have 20 of them and we are Region 12. And I'm a digital innovation specialist here. So I get to do work here in our region as mm -hmm. well as travel all over the country and talk about passion-based learning and how we can give this generation opportunities to really learn by doing and to pursue their passions in the classroom. So tell me a little bit more about your role as a digital innovation specialist, and I'm curious to kind of hear what, what your sort of day-to-day -day looks like and, and where that sort of meets kind of your passions, too. Well, every single day is different. We never know kind of where we're going to be, what we're going to be doing, but it's a very cool gig in that I get to work really closely with teachers and help them understand how to create experiences for the kids that are in their classrooms right now and how to, um, obviously, how to use technology to do that but also just how to be innovative and how to be okay with messy learning and be okay with things looking so different than they did when we were in the classroom and yeah. helping them understand that that's okay and just offering support. And um, we, we do a lot of professional development and we also do a lot of coaching and a lot of being in the classroom as well. On a small scale, I feel like on, on, that's a little bit about what I am able to do within Westside uh, as a personal learning coordinator is, yeah, meeting with teachers K-12 and doing lesson design uh, around personalized work. And uh, I've found, and maybe, I don't know if this is part of your experience as well, but uh, when it comes to administrators observing, because you talked a little bit about how it, that shift from teacher-centric to a more learner-centered experience sort of messes with the dynamics of the traditional classroom in a way that doesn't look like what we maybe experienced when we were going through. Uh, and I know one of the things that we've sort of stressed is that, because um, sometimes an administrator or uh, teachers from other districts come in to observe will go in and say, this feels a little bit like a study hall or, or like what, you know, what's going on? The teacher's working with small groups, but how is this any different? And uh, it's amazing mm -hmm. when you, we've started to encourage those people to talk with the, the students. Uh, and have them sort of explain what their process is, where they're at, and what they're working on. 
Um, have you seen any of that, I guess, in the way in which you've kind of gone about? Yeah, I think that's a great point in encouraging them to talk to the learners, because I know when I did Genius Hour in my classroom and we started having teachers from other districts come in and see what we were doing and we were sharing and they would come in. The first thing they would want to do is talk to me. Well, how are you doing it? What does it look like? And we had to have the conversation of this type of learning is not about me. Like I just get out of their way and um, I'm there to support them. I'm there to help them make the connections. But the reality is if you want to get the most out of this visit, you've got to go ask them what they're learning. Mm -hmm. And it was so cool to hear the students explain, this is what I'm learning. This is what I'm doing. These are the connections that I'm making. And I think that the people that visited really walked away with understanding that Genius Hour in particular, personalized learning is really so much more about them than it is about us and, and the connections that they're making. So I think that's, I think that's right on target is it does sometimes look a little bit like a study hall until you really dive in and start asking them how they feel about it, what they're getting from it. Exactly. Cause so it's you as a teacher, no longer the sole resource, you know, sometimes it's they're busy accessing other things or collaborating with one another. And uh, sometimes they're leveraging technology. I, I can, you know, as a practitioner myself, there was one instance in the class where students were doing book snaps and an uh, administrator came in and said, <laughs> Hey, you're going to get off of your phone. And she's like, I'm annotating over here. Actually. Right. <laughs> Uh, doing my work. Yeah, and sometimes it's uh, you know it's interesting to see what avenues they pursue when they have that choice available to them, and um, so that's something that we we definitely promote. So Genius Hour. So why an hour? I guess for someone that's not quite familiar with all of that, and and uh, um, talk maybe a little bit to your your book that you've written on that. Yeah, you know it's funny because we call it Genius Hour. Um, the reality is Genius Hour can be whatever works for the educator and whatever works for the students in the classroom because every classroom is different. And I always say that when we talk about Genius Hour, it's it's very personal for the teacher and the student. It's not a one size fits all. It's not a here's how you do it. So I oftentimes get asked like, oh, is Genius Hour, so I have to do it for an hour. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> not. Genius right. Hour can be, you know, it may be an hour a week. It may be one day every six weeks. It might be 30 minutes twice a week, whatever that looks like. But I think that it's about that passion-based learning experience. And so the book that I wrote, Genius Hour, Passion Projects That Ignite Innovation and Student Inquiry, really was around a process that we came up with. So I had learned about Genius Hour from some amazing people like Don Wetrick and Joy Kerr and Galit V and AJ Giuliani, just some really cool people, Denise Krebs. And so listening to all of them and learning from them, I wanted it to work in my classroom and we had to come up with something that worked for us. And so we kind of developed a process called the six P's and those are passion, plan, pitch, project, product, presentation. And so the book was just written to help educators who, you know, if you're in a traditional classroom and also, I mean, I always fully admit for a long time, I was a very traditional teacher when I decided to start teaching in a way that was meaningful to these kids and stop wasting their time and mine. I had to realize that what worked for everybody else might not work for me. And so coming up with that roadmap, those six P's really helped me hone in on the skills that we wanted to work on. So, you know, the four C's are woven into those six P's and so many of the things that I wanted my students to experience. So the book is just about those six P's, the technology that you can use to make it happen and really making Genius Hour a process that makes sense to both teachers. And I always say, I think that the process is best at making Genius Hour manageable for teachers and meaningful for their students. And and that's really what it did for us in our classroom. So is that going to be kind of the subject of one of the sessions that you're going to present on then or kind of the focus of how is that going to break down in terms of the different pieces that you're able to share for the summit? 
Yeah, so I think I titled one Genius Hour and the Technology to Make It Happen, uh, or it may have just been the six P's of Genius Hour, but really in that first session, and I think that's the feature session, is where I'm going to talk about specifically the six P's, what they are, the specific technology tools that you can make it a reality in your classroom, and then share specific examples from my classroom of, you know, the stories that I have that my students did. And I think it's important to also talk about you know, kind of that messy middle part of Genius Hour. I talk to so many teachers often who go into Genius Hour thinking it's going to be so, going to be so easy and it's going to be unicorns and rainbows because it's passion-based learning. And, and I thought that honestly, but the reality is it's not. Your students are just as uncomfortable with it as you are sometimes because right. they're used to playing the school game. And when you change the rules, they're not sure they like that. Mm -hmm. And so helping, talking about that messy middle, how to get through that, but that, that one session, the Genius Hour session, will specifically revolve around the six Ps, how to implement them, how to create a system for Genius Hour where it runs itself so that you can spend your time helping your students make connections to the standards and make connections beyond the walls of the classroom. That's, uh, you know, it really brings up a topic that I, I think has been very helpful with our work with personalized learning as we're sharing with other folks also that it's not a magic bullet. And there's, you know, there's, if there was one way for education to reach everybody and to unicorns and rainbows solve everyone's problems, we would all be on board. Yes. <laughs> but, but you're yes. right. You have to kind of make it your own and uh, uh, whether that's, you know, through personalized learning or, or obviously I love the genius hour stuff. And there is that messy middle that you were talking about where you're going to have to help those learners that are disenfranchised, that struggle traditionally, that um, are going to take, you're going to really have to work to get them on board with things. Uh, and it's been my experience, at least too, with the personalized uh, aspect that some of the most resistant learners are the most gifted in terms of the traditional approach to things because they are so good at playing the game and they would like for you yes. to just stand at the front and tell them what to do and they can memorize that, get an A plus and everybody pats them on the back and tells them they're great. So true. <laughs> and yes. when you put that ownership on them, uh, it really shifts it in a way that I think over time they come to appreciate and understand, but it certainly is not familiar to begin with and it's and it is more responsibility it's more work mm -hmm. you know uh, to be able to in you know either of these two avenues that we're talking about come up with your own idea and to pursue that and to be passionate about it and to explore through research or just your own you know and use your own intrinsic curiosity right yeah. uh, and so it's awesome to kind of hear those parallels I think and uh, mm -hmm. That's going to be great for the people that attend to to share. What are maybe one or two of the strategies that you might uh, advocate for for someone who um, is in the middle of Genius Hour or, or personalizing or whatever it is? As you're starting to make more of a learner-centered experience, is maybe a way we could unify all that uh, that you would advocate for. Um, I think one of the first things we have to realize, as we whether it's personalized learning, which Genius Hour is just like the ultimate personalized learning experience. Right. I think that when, when we are embarking on this type of learning and when we're going to make this happen in our classroom, one of the first things we have to realize is that we don't have to be the expert. So because of the technology that we have access to, we don't even have to find somebody in our community, right? We have access to the world. So getting out of the way and understanding that it's okay to tell your students, you know what, I have no idea or this isn't my passion, this is your passion. So I'd really like for you to talk to somebody who's passionate about it versus somebody who, you know, who just wants to pretend that I know a lot about it because I'm your teacher. Being willing now in the classroom to say, I don't know, 
but I can help you find people who do. I feel like that's really our job is to help them do that and then helping them figure out what their passion is. So at the conference, I'll definitely be sharing the power of outside experts. I think that that is a big piece of Genius Hour and really not that difficult to do because of the technology that we have access to. And then I think obviously the biggest piece is helping students find their passions because they're not familiar with that. When you ask a kid, what are you passionate about? They're like, uh, I don't, I mean, Fortnite, <laughs> because they don't know. And so helping them relate purpose and passion. So understanding the why behind what they're doing. And so it's not just about what do you like or what are you passionate about and let's create a Lego wall. It's about what is driving you? What is something that bothers you? What change do you want to create? And helping teachers understand kind of what that looks like and how to make that happen in their classrooms. Uh, and that's the same thing that we have conversations around, too, as far as learner preferences are concerned. You could ask a student, you know, what's the best group dynamic that you uh, function in when you're trying to work on this type of assignment? Or what mode is uh, ideal for you to learn a new concept, whether it be through video or direct instruction or these types of pieces? Mm-hmm. And um, inevitably, in some of those, it's a combination of multiple things. But they don't know. They don't, <laughs> and so you'd like to think that by asking those questions that seem pretty straightforward, that you could get an answer, and you will get an answer. But it might be Fortnite, and it might be I like to sit with my friends, <laughs> and it, it becomes—it's yes. not academically intentional sometimes, and, and it's not to fault the learner; they just haven't had experiences enough to learn that about themselves yet. Uh, and so it's uh, it's great right, cool to hear that. I think it's about making decisions and they haven't been given a ton of opportunities at school to make decisions. You know, it's one of the things people say all the time about this generation. Oh, they're terrible at making decisions and solving problems. Well, that's because they haven't been given the opportunity to do so. So Mm -hmm. if we will give them opportunities to make those, they've always been told at school where to do, what to do, how to do, when to do. But if we will start getting out of their way and letting them make some of those decisions, I think that'll come a little easier. So I totally agree with what you're saying. It's just giving them opportunities to make those choices, to just make those decisions, and then respecting that and letting them see where the cards fall. So maybe I made a good decision, maybe I didn't, but the reality is they have to learn from that and be able to move forward even when it's not the right decision. Oh, could not agree more with that, Haiti. Honestly, that's something I, my like catchphrase, I feel like, especially as of late, has really just been to say that like, I feel like ownership is one of the highest levels of engagement. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's hard to really own something if you don't have a choice, if you don't have a decision yes. that you're able to make. And so I'm totally with you on that. And uh, to kind of get to an earlier thread that you brought up too, uh, to sort of circle back to it, I think it's tough for us as educators sometimes to be comfortable with those things I, uh, and the environment that allows for that to happen. One, because it's foreign and it's not you know, our experience. Uh, and two, I listened to Matt Miller speak once and uh, he brought up a point that I had not considered before that really brought a perspective around this as a challenge in a way that I didn't initially relate to. And he said that it is so safe if you have a 40 minute time in class to stand at the front and talk for 15 to 20 minutes, as long as classroom management is great, everyone will sit still and they will look at me and we will be learning. (laughs) And then there'll be 15 to 20 minutes of an activity that is all uniform that I have all the answers to and will be able to like help you with whatever question you might pose. uh, And then we'll move on and I'll do it again. And that, um, that comfort is something that I think is appealing, obviously, and, and we can be kind of drawn to, but it's challenging to think, do we as educators have enough of a flexible mindset to move to a place where we say, I don't have to have all those answers, and uh, you know, we can learn uh, something new together, or I can point you to things where you might become an expert at this in a way that uh, I will never achieve, uh, but 
uh, you have the opportunity in here to to go in that direction should it be your interest and so uh that's cool it's cool to hear that's part of what's going on with yours as well so yeah. i don't know how's it hit your brain i guess um, yeah i think first of all matt miller was awesome I, he he's is. just such a great guy so he shares so many great things um, I think, so I just wrote a new book called A Meaningful Mess, and it's all about exactly, like you just summed it up perfectly. It's just about being okay with being uncomfortable. Like I, I always say, if you're comfortable teaching this generation of kids, chances are you're doing it wrong <laughs> because we shouldn't <laughs> be comfortable because the yeah. reality is they're not, they're not like anything that we've known before. Never before have we as educators had students sitting in our classrooms who have the information that we're giving them in their pockets. So everybody should be uncomfortable because what we've been taught to do as educators and what we've always done, deliver information, they now have access to that and not just access, but instant access. And so our roles have to start changing and it's going to be messy and it's going to be uncomfortable. But oh my gosh, if you can tap into some of that, you know, personalized learning and giving them opportunities to pursue their passions, it's so rewarding. And I think that the teachers that are exhausted right now and frustrated and feeling burned out, I think sometimes that comes because we're pushing against the students that we have in the classroom instead of leaning into who they are as learners and allowing them to be that and doing what we know is best for them. And so I feel like when we in education stop pushing against that, that's when we're going to find our place again and figure out who we are as educators and what we have to offer because we have so much to offer them. Um, it just has to be done in a way that is meaningful for them. Does that make sense? Oh, it totally does. And I think that because at the end of the day, what makes allows me to leave work feeling great is when I know we've had rich conversations, when I've seen students struggle uh, and be okay with that struggle and grow. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think the job can be kind of void of that. If it's really, I'm just going to put together a series of tasks and I'm going to watch you sort of like a little kid playing soccer, right? We're going to go through the cones <laughs> and get to right. the end. I don't know you know, uh, one of the greatest joys of being an educator can be kind of robbed of you if there's not the opportunity to watch them uh, kind of grow and, and do it on their own. And so certainly if there's a, a why, I think for us as, as teachers, and there's several, right, but one of them would right. certainly be invest in this because uh, it is so rewarding to, to experience that with your students. And so uh, ah, could not advocate for that more. Could not advocate for that more. <laughs> That's cool. So, uh, well, you know, the time kind of flies here uh, on the podcast. <laughs> it goes pretty quickly. I've, I've certainly enjoyed our conversation. But uh, uh, what kind of parting words would you have, I guess, for anybody uh, listening in, whether that be around Genius Hour or what to expect coming up with the summit? Yeah, I think, first of all, if you're going to be at the summit, I cannot wait to see you guys. I'm so excited. So many things um, I want to share. And, I, you know, I love coming to these types of things because I obviously love to share, but I also love to learn from the people that are there. It's conferences and summits, and it's always such a great opportunity to not just give information, but get some really cool stuff from mm -hmm. teachers and hear what's going on in the classroom. So I'm really excited about that. And then just really excited to help you guys find some practical ways to make this work in the classroom. And it'd be about talking about the wine, who this generation is, but ultimately giving you tools that you can take back and immediately implement in the classroom to make this a reality. And then I think if you're not going to be at the summit or you just hear this podcast, I just want to say that it is an exciting time to be an educator. And the kids that are in the classrooms right now, man, they have such, you know, my parents hung my work on the refrigerator. These guys have the potential to share their work with the world. So I just want to say 
that I, I love what educators are doing right now. I think there's this big shift coming in education and it's super exciting, but just be willing to trust them as learners, be willing to get their feedback, ask questions, because they're a very cool generation who are capable of really cool things if we'll just get out of their way and let them do it. <laughs> oh, well, I could not agree more. And I've had a great time uh, visiting with you today, Andy. Thank you so much for advocating for all those things and for uh, your willingness to be a part of that learning experience that we're all going to be invested in this summer. I know you talk about kind of learning that practical aspect or being having that be a part of uh, any conference experience. We're really trying to design our summit to be, a, there's a great number of teachers from our own district, but also practitioners from across the country that are come in and say, here's what I did in my English class. Here's what I did in a strength and conditioning. Here's what we did in, you know, sixth grade math and kindergarten. And uh, so there'll, there'll be those little niche opportunities for people to really hear from folks that are working in the trenches and, and also to kind of zoom out too and get some just incredible national speakers that are, you know, working with teachers and, and kind of more in the roles that maybe you and I are where we're designing with people and uh, able to kind of see what that looks like um, across the board. So again, thank you for your time today. Thank you for being a part of that conference. I've had a great chat with you and hopefully we'll get a chance to talk again soon. Yeah, I can't wait. I'll see you soon. All right. Thanks. Well, that's a wrap on another great episode. For more information or to contact us directly, you can email our team at personalized.learning at westside66.net. As always, thanks for tuning in and learning from the Westside Personalized Podcast.